Welcome to Inside the Firm, a podcast dedicated to small business owners and hosted by entrepreneurs, Alex Gore and Lance Psycho. Each week, they take you on their journey of how to start, run, and grow a business by bringing you inside their architecture and real estate development firm. Get a behind-the-scenes tour of how these business leaders manage their clients and foster company culture while creating new and innovative projects. And now your host, Alex Gore and Lance Psycho. Welcome to Monday Morning Copy with Inside the Firm. Today, I have a very special guest from Pella. Nicole Willits is a creative and experienced product development manager with over 13 years of experience defining consumer trends and bringing voice of the customer-driven insights to fruition in manufacturing settings. An avid textile fanatic, home decorator, gardener, and DIYer, Nicole cut her chops in renovation with an 1890s home gut and remodel. She presently spends time working on her 1920s craftsman bungalow kit home in the Midwest. Nicole Cole leads the Pella Trends team and has been cited in Qualified Remodeler. She also has present, presented trends and been a featured speaker for IBS ProTox, Fine Home Building, and other audiences across the United States. Welcome to the show, Nicole. Thanks so much, Lance. Yeah, I love that you're a DIYer. I love that you uh, have had the bravery to uh, this applies to anybody <laughs> an 1890s home gut and remodel um i would love to hear more about that uh your current project and uh basically how the process works for you guys when you start to engage with customers and i know we're also going to talk about uh obviously the your what you're projecting for 2023 design trends or windows and doors so maybe we could start with Tell us about the process. You know, say somebody comes to you, maybe it's an architect plus owner, um, contractor, you know, maybe you can even speak to all three or some combinations of that. What is it like to, to work with you guys? How does that work? You know, that's a great question. And I appreciate the lead in for that because Pella is a national brand. And one of the, the best things that we have available to us is the fact that we have PDSN branches all over the place. We network in aisle with Lowe's. We get direct to customers. We understand install. We kind of get all of these net driver inputs that allow us to kind of have this natural industry source. But then our process, so the team within Pella, there is an entire cross-functional team. We come from sales and marketing. I'm on the innovation team. There's a lot of people that come in and, and basically we take a look at a steep level analysis and that's at our highest like macro level view. And that really walks us through social, technological, environmental, economic, and political topics. And really within each of those buckets, we then take categories we follow. So it's entirely outside of, of building industry sometimes and it's entirely related all the same. So you might see someone that's going into CAD or high tech development. Um, you could see somebody who's looking at automotive. You could have someone who's looking at office furniture. Uh, each one of those areas, along with obviously following like what's happening in home interiors and exteriors, what's happening in commercial builds, what's happening in sustainability. How can we kind of take all of those inputs and then join them together and, and have a conversation? And one of the things we find as we kind of come together and present this work out is people think, Pella, they're going to just talk about windows and doors. And often we come to the table and we're like, well, what happens with windows and doors is actually directly related to what people want to style their home with. Mm. And when they're styling in their home, you got to think about 
what and why, how, how do they even get to the mind space that they're in for what they're looking to purchase or how they feel about their space or maybe what they're trying to evoke out of it. And out of that comes some really interesting conversations that you, like I said, would think might tend to go towards conversations related to doors and windows and actually end up talking about FOMO and loneliness and anxiety mm -hmm. and and how does that translate? You know, would you want your home to be filled with light? Do you want brighter colors? Uh, how do we kind of tie those things together that allows us to see this big overarching macro umbrella and allows us to apply that to how our products can help? So is there like a, let's say I have a, uh, a coming to you as an architect, but with my client and we pretty much have the exterior, you know, the exterior nailed down. So we're kind of at the end of the design development floor plan is pretty much there. What, what is, you know, is there a questionnaire, you know, we're obviously going to give you the drawings and we start that process and everything, but is there a questionnaire? Like, how are you pulling that information out of folks? Uh, you know, the FOMO or, or whatever kind of anxieties or, you know, needs or wants and everything. And then, you know, how does that processing work? Well, there's a couple of inputs to it. So the team itself, we're, we're just input junkies. So we are just constantly trying to get info, white papers, research work. Um, that's all kind of these cross-functional areas that we touch, but Pell is actually really well equipped to have that lesson learning. I love your idea of a questionnaire at the beginning. We do not have one of those, okay. but that actually sounds fabulous in trying to get people to, to help our sales reps, essentially, to help drive to really what an architect or the builder or the homeowner is trying to convey. It's kind of like a double-edged sword too. And I, and I, I, and with the, with the questionnaire, and I think one of the only reasons to be fair to you guys is why I'm asking that is we just hired a, uh, uh, the Michael Jordan of SEO marketing um, at our firm. And basically that, you know, they had an onboarding questionnaire and same, same thing with the other marketing folks. And it's almost like a double-edged sword I see. So like, cause I can imagine if we did that, well, we do it in some ways to our clients. I mean, there's no formal questionnaire. It's, I'm just trying to pull information out of them. You know, I met with a couple of potentials yesterday and I said, okay, tell me, let's just start from the top. How many square feet are we looking at? Let's talk about each level. How about the style and, and all of that. But, but, but the, where I'm going with the double-edged sword is like, they'll have competing ideas. So maybe that's just our job to decipher between the competing ideas. For example, uh, for this particular uh, folk, uh, person that I met with yesterday it was, I want to keep the build under a million dollars. And I said, okay, that's great. That's actually a pretty healthy budget for Colorado right now. Believe it or not, like a million dollars is what it's going to take to build a house these days. And it's insane. But uh, then I said, okay, let's just do some quick math. You already mentioned 3,500 square feet times 400 here at 1.4 million. So uh, I'm curious to know then, you know, do you have any examples that you could give where you've, you guys have seen sort of contradictory ideas and then you're just trying to siphon down to like what what it what we're really looking for within budgets and all of that. Of course, I you know it's interesting that you say that your client starts with budget because obviously that comes into the yeah. factor a lot. But you know what we see in contradiction comes down to pretty specifics within product where you're saying, I want excessive glass, I want the view, yeah. but I want to save the world. I want to be energy efficient. Uh, I yeah, I that want that perfect. view. <laughs> But I want to have privacy. Yeah. So there's these views, you know, you're trying to be like, okay, so where did that, when we hear those kinds of streams come out, then you start dialing back because you're asking, you know, where, 
does your sense of privacy, is it instilled from a sense of, of safety? Are you concerned about mm -hmm. those features? Are you mostly concerned about maybe access to light? So maybe it's a, a you need your, your shades and blinds on some kind of rhythm. There's these kind of movements where we get into does privacy mean you just want some opacity you still want like do you want to be secure and kind of in your domicile and feel good uh, each one of those kind of has some provocative elements where they might come up against each other but also once we can kind of distill the why of, of why is that the first thing that comes to your mind i think that helps lead into how we can help foster the conversation further with the right uh, features and benefits of a product yeah. So really, it seems like it's just like drilling down with some more questions, sort of like follow-up questions about, uh, I hear you and I understand, and but let's let's dig a little bit deeper and try to focus in on that. Uh, I would love to hear a little bit about, you know, your first, uh, that home gut we talked about in the 1890s uh, house, and that you're currently working on a house right now, a 1920s craftsman. Um, what, uh, how has your personal experience in doing those projects bled into and sort of cross-pollinated with what you do professionally. I have to imagine there's obviously overlap there. There is. You know, I started with Pella about five years ago, and I told me that I came from office interiors and, and textiles, and that's kind of where my background had been. And when I came into the door and window, it was much less sexy. And they were like, you are going to start noticing the insanity of people's window layouts. And I was like, nah, mm. nah, never, never. It that doesn't matter to me. Like I, you know, I'm here. I want to be effective, but like I, that's never. It happens all the time now. Oh my gosh, like window placement or grill patterning, colors. Like I am just as annoying to my partner nowadays when I'm like, I just can't figure out why they would have done that, or how do you think they did that mole? Uh, I used to flip over chairs because that was my world. And so I think I've gotten maybe a little bit more socially amiable, but really the day-to-day the -day work, architecture and homes and the, the way you connect with them is literally everything in our day-to-day. -day. And I can tell you my empathy levels are much different because I, I've been now on the receiving end. So mm. started with that 1890s uh, gut and remodel. And at the time, didn't think heavily about windows. It was kind of like just button this baby back up. Now in my 1920s craftsman, I'm really trying to like stick with some modern things or stick with the relevant things to it. And when we were having things torn out, all of a sudden I'm on the customer side, understanding very much what it feels like to have someone in your home and a big hole in your house and what de uh, delays in timing may mean or how we communicated, like the, how my contractor worked with me, that level of understanding, I just, it was something that I would never have probably elevated to the level of saying I needed to be more considerate and empathetic as I think about how we talk about our products or I think about how we market or I think about how areas we can innovate in because boy, it's it's really, it's in, implicit in your day-to-day -day life and, and it can be such a disruption when, when your windows don't work right or you can't open things or like if it is a true remodeling construction and there's a hole and somebody is not doing their job or a window didn't show up on time, all those things have driven me into a, a very different way, I think, of thinking about our customer. Is Pella, is Pella one of the only, you know, we don't need to name any other names, but I'm curious, like, are they the only one doing this um, where you guys are taking, you know, bringing the voice of consumer driven insights to use you guys' words into the manufacturing settings? I really like that. It seems like a grassroots approach. Um, and then it's it's taking the feedback loop from like, okay, 
let's say for 30 years, you guys have set up, put out this one window, but then all of a sudden you implemented this voice of customer serving driven insights idea and started pollinating that in. And now you have this feedback loop and now you're on this feedback loop constantly, which seems like it's moving Pella towards everybody getting what they want. Pella will get what they want in terms of profitability and sales. And then the consumers are obviously getting the product that they have been demanding, you know, for a while and, and, and they're there. So it, are you guys the only, or is this unique to Pella or is this an industry thing? I, it's not an industry-wide thing. I, I would say competitively, I think that we have the tenure and we've invested. Uh, in fairness, this is a team that we've been around for over seven years, but we don't spend a lot of time putting out content. Um, it's mostly internal conversation and how do we direct and drive you know, all of our marketing teams or innovation or engineering teams into the, the right line of sight. But it's actually one that if you think about how products work, so like, let's be real historical for a second here. Pella started way back in the day, back in the 1920s with a, a screen company. It was the, originally the roll screen. And as the information, you know, we eventually make windows, we put the screens in them and get to like 2017, 2018. This is like baby, baby world of Nicole and Pella. But you know, I jump right in and the, the I get to see the team in action, getting to understand, you know, modern was was really coming out at the time, contemporary sight lines. And then you were saying also on top of that, you know, how are we taking that information and then understanding and translating it? So that led to our contemporary line taking on this, frankly, kind of an old innovation, which was the roll screen that we started with and, and putting that all together because you're starting, you're hearing these areas and Part of what contemporary was saying was, you know, sight lines matter to me. What my view is, is imperative. And that's not news, but it was, well, okay, how do we solve for that? Well, the, your ire comes from the screen. It's there all the time, but you need it. So that's kind of one of those moments that all of a sudden it sets this trajectory of, there's a very natural component of our understanding things we're capable of. And frankly, a lot of just like tinkering and, and the brains behind the engineers and our innovators that, that then take it and put it in products. So we've got those moments that exist mm -hmm. that, that come from historical components, but we've also got things that come from people just saying over and over and over, I hate the casement crank. Okay. <laughs> uh, so, you know, and you're just kind of like, well, we're stuck with this option. That's how it works. And we stopped and said, well, obviously there's like 15 things that an obvious person to this industry could walk by and point out and say we're wrong or they didn't like, or we're an obstacle. How, how can we resolve those things? And our process then has a different frame up. So now we're going out, we have some questions to answer and we're in our field and we're, we're trying to get this rapport going. And I, I think if anybody who's ever been a part of product development or any development, you know, the inputs, again, they can be conflicting or you're only hearing what they're telling you, you're not hearing kind of that light bulb moment. And I think for us, as we started to get into that space, you start understanding like why people are wanting something different. It's an obstacle, they don't like it, there's maybe visuals, but then you're like, well, it actually is a really big effort for certain people to crank a window. Like maybe they don't have the mobility, maybe they don't actually have like the weight to get the positioning going. That input all of a sudden starts infiltrating just regular everyday consumer inputs and like feedback. And now all of a sudden we're, we're transitioning where it's like we have not only something we're just trying to fix because we want it to be better, but 
when we make it better, all of a sudden now we can do things with less force rates. And we have this kind of input directly into that development channel that says, you have to be considerate of all these facets. It can be turned around and marketed in any way, but you know, if you're really doing the right thing and we, we change the crank and we go to this easy slide operator, given this hard pitch on our, our industry winning innovation there, but really you get this product that's under five pounds of force rate. So now it's, well, we've solved some problems. It's contemporary. You've got your beautiful sight lines, but we have a product that now you can put into any home that will age with you. You are going to have a product that you can utilize and get access to fresh air for as long as you have the ability to move that item up and down with under five pounds of force rate. So we have these little things that they don't, you would never hear someone say, I need it to be the easiest opening thing ever. But, you know, those kinds of facets lead their ways into us being able to find and develop those products that, that lead to industry winning innovation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was beautiful. Uh, let's move into the 2023 design trends for windows and doors. I know you have an article here up on Pella.com. And if everybody wants to check it out, it's Pella.com forward slash ideas forward slash design. Uh, 2023 window door design trends. Uh, let's on so let's unpack that. Uh, I think everybody wants to try to understand what's what the future maybe holds for us. Um, and and you've got some topics that maybe we could touch on. Um, you know, one of the titles you have here is like uh, modern traditional reinventing classics with a modern twist. You kind of talked about that with your own house. The shift of traditional design mixing with modern elements to create timeless space. Yeah, you know that. That's nothing new, let's be fair. You, you kind of see these ideas that happen and we've been in a really long farmhouse space. You know, it's been like a decade of farmhouse, a decade of Scandi. And those aren't usually things that maybe stay quite as long. Yeah. Uh, you, you expect to see maybe that churn happen every five or so years. And this is one that's held a lot firmer, but the couple of areas that we really saw changing were COVID created this autonomy in this space that becomes so self-serving it's and that's a good thing you know our homes are self-serving our homes mm -hmm. are very specific and and for people to start considering and spending more time saying well now I've stared at this wall for a long time do I know what I want there do I, I have ideas and and it no longer became quite as rigid as I think people that originally were like, well, I'm going to buy a set or I'm doing this. I have like all one input. It becomes this really collected source. And so we've talked for the last maybe three or four years about it everything. It was, it was everything. Mm -hmm. People were kind of coming out with all things. And what we're seeing is it's no longer cleanly like traditional and modern. It's no yeah. longer people want finials or not, or they want nothing but mid-century clean lines or not. It's this beautiful hybridization that kind of allows people to take the things that feel very comforting, you know, whether it be wood tones, whether it be a lot of nice, warm neutrals, um, whether it be some of those rounded forms, you know, finials and the, the um, OG profiles become very specific to those spaces, but also lend themselves to having these nice contemporary associations. Uh, we have some cool images. If you do go to look at the, the site for Pella, this picture that we tie to this is kind of this perfect shape. It's this giant arched window way because arches are just everywhere, um, half circles, any type of arch, all the style ways of it. 
And you see that paired with all of the traditional grills, paired with kind of those traditional bevels. And then you see really clean line mid-century furniture and a wild Moroccan-like jute and um, fun side table. So it's just this kind of like make it feel as you are. And, yeah. and it's really naturalizing in ways that I think people might have never considered them working together in the past. And you know, when I, when I, we talk, talking back, you know, harking back to look at what we mentioned earlier about, um, try, look, I want, I want glass, I want giant glass, but at the same time, I want to save the environment and everything like that. Um, if you think about it, I think hybridizing and fusing these two styles together is maybe one of the most sustainable things we could do, right? So instead of, you know, God bless you for taking on those projects again, but like, instead of you just saying, I'm going to demolish this building, why can't I bring in some of my modern sensibilities, which it doesn't have to look completely modern, right? I mean, some of those sensibilities could just be, look, I need to open up the floor plan. I'm tired of having a separate formal dining room. We don't live in that. That society is not like that anymore. We want, you know, kitchen, living, dining, open space, stuff like that. Um, and, and so we're like, and there's been plenty of studies that have, that have shown lately that it's not so much about new construction anymore. We're going to be doing a lot of remodels because there's plenty of existing stock that we can that we can that that, that should be utilized and remodeled and, and redone. Um, let's move into so that and by the way, yeah, I would encourage everybody to go take a look at that that photo. She described it uh, perfectly, even down to the furniture and the inside of that. I think as you said, it's Turkish. Um, it's very cool. <laughs> uh, the, the next image that uh, is in the article is. Uh, a term that I hear a lot, and this is sort of the confusing part too, is like, you, you just hear these sort of buzzwords from clients, um, you know, for instance, um, uh, in warm industrial, like, what the heck does that mean? Let's unpack that for us. I mean, I think the image you guys picked, by the way, and I'll try to describe it too, is like, it's this very, it's this, it's this beautiful glass uh, wall, set of walls, and it's very clean and contemporary. And then the warming feature that I'm seeing is two different things. It's the floor and then the ceiling, both wood kind of matching. And then at the same time you have like, then the polishing touches, um, some more like a, a, a feminine um, type of furniture, right? It's like this beautiful little purple and lavender with some flowers. And like, that's the, that's, cause you have all these masculine forms around it. Um, so I would love to hear about, you know, this idea of warm industrial and, and what 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 you guys are hearing and seeing and, and where that goes. Yeah, I appreciate Thank you for the description, listeners. He also did a fabulous job. This your the engenderment conversation was has been a part of our trends for quite some time, you know, masculine, feminine and how yeah. those kind of manifest, because you can see very similar concepts take a turn depending on color or textile and things of that nature. And, and you're right. I think when you talk about the hybridization of, of some of these words, we smash things together and you're like, it makes sense, right? But the, the warm industrial, I think, is, is really people have a tendency to gravitate towards like the slimness of steel or we saw brutalism churning for years. I mean, it's not gone, but how it manifests, you know, those materiality components of either steels and cements that is going to naturally require some degree of offset. And that's where the warm tones of wood, the high degree of very organic shapes in furniture or bringing in textiles like velvets and boucles, all of a sudden create things that it's just a step towards a more feminine appeal, I suppose. 
but really it's it's kind of taking all of those things and again mashing them together because there's not one right answer mm -hmm. it's really kind of the the emotional impact that you're wanting in that space and that's what we find people when they start trying to create these wild hybridized spaces it becomes very much just this personal i i have a vibe i have this i have a thing it might have been that purple sofa that was in that space like all of a sudden that's the call to action and my room actually like it works around that so we we see this as kind of this relevant area where it feels like windows becomes pretty important that's a very extensive area and steel comes into play but how can we make sure that we're creating the right conversations that make sure that people understand that floor to ceiling windows with those accents with certain other elements can actually take you into a space that could be labeled industrial even though you're very much living in the space yeah and to be fair to the consumers uh, to the consumers to the clients even to us i think we're just we're just humans that are trying to explain things with our vocabulary so I, I uh, and then there's pictures go along with it. And again, it really comes down to, I just love that you were, the way you were answering the questions earlier about, well, when I was asking you like, okay, they say one thing they're contradicting or, or not, or, or they're just trying their best. And like, how do you pull the rest out to really get at what, what we're going for with concepts? Um, so, you know, there's also you, your next uh, part in the article here is about Scandinavian design. And we're seeing something similar in Colorado where like modern farmhouse, everybody wants, the, not everybody, but a lot of folks. Want, and I love the modern farmhouse movement for sure. You know, it's again, sort of back to this comfort and this emotional comfort animal that we're trying to feed. Maybe you uh, have a fond memories of grandma and grandpa's farm in the Midwest. And it was, it was farmhouse, but at the same time, 2023, we, we like modern uh, in terms of just some of the basics, like we talked about uh, open, open concepts, bigger windows, engineering has gotten better, materials have gotten better. Uh, so the, the, the minimalist Scandinavian design um, Talk about when, you know, this idea of maybe adding more color, natural textures, natural woods, like, are we bending rules here or are we just sort of layering on, on the, on the history of, you know, Scandinavian minimalism? You know, I, I love that question. Thank you for this lead in because this conversation comes up a lot and, yeah. and Scandi has been around for a while now. And so you've kind of gotten to see people would instantly gravitate towards it because you know coming out of 2008 that that minimalism that people were really doing kind of out of austerity was it was incredibly stark minimalism and and that holds its own but you know as people started to bring in these more modern uh, modern farmhouse sensibilities or if in fairness modern traditional sensibilities you started to see people want more tactile elements they wanted a coziness and so that the huga space that danish feel of like cozy over winter kind of shifted our, the American appeal for, yeah, I want neutral, but I want cozy and I want tactile. I'm in the chaos crazy of COVID where everybody just wanted to like be like nested yeah. and neutral. And, and that kind of hit that mark where it moved minimalism into that more touchy-feely space. And then we started seeing where there's kind of this natural connection to either true like Scandinavian folk, like if you were to look at how a home in Scandinavia goes. They have all the elements of Haiga, but they don't have a starkly minimalist view. They do incorporate kind of bold colors or fun folk prints. 
And, and that view, as well as we saw areas from like Japan. So you might have heard Japan D come in, where it was maybe that takes in a few touch, uh, touch darker tones and it might bring in more bold colors like um, blues or like a bright gold. And, and those were things that traditional Scandi doesn't go that direction. Mm -hmm. But I think this new wave of Scandinavian, um, I think of Beata Human, if you are thinking of like new wave interior design in that, and she has a very, it's very clean, there's reasons to exist for everything, but it is, it's not white and it's not boring mm. and, and there's pattern and there's layering that, that I think is very much how a person would distinguish Scandinavian, but with a lot more elements that in fairness, people are trying to evoke, whether it be through joy or a lot of visual um, expression. Yeah, we're running up on the half hour here, Nicole, and I could keep going in detail through the article, but I would love to, I would just once again encourage uh, the listeners to go take a look at it. Uh, they just, Nicole has done a fantastic job of really showing visually what she was talking about earlier with the windows and doors and why it matters for the whole cohesive design. And the image that I am referring to now is that the next one, it's uh, it's just titled Celebrating Minimalism Through Redefined Use of Materials and Light. You can see the you can see the Pella black windows in the back there. And then at the same time, then the architect put forth this little truss that is, bl that is black. And the lines match, the uh, openness matches, like it is, it is literally exactly what Corbusier was trying to do with form and function and all of that. So maybe, Nicole, if you could sum up for us um, some of the some of the last trending topics that you see moving ahead in towards 2023 based on based on your article. And I apologize, we don't have enough time to go into detail, but I, I think you, you, your, your, your words are great already. Um, so I'd love that. Thanks, Lance. Uh, I would end it on mono. I love that you love that photo because that that is very much an evocative space where people think about, you know, singular material doesn't become kind of this dirty word. It becomes like you can pull this really dynamic room together. And in fairness, that window comes to life. The truss is really cool. I think it yeah. helps guide you into it. But you know, we're seeing that whether it be on material or, you know, further down, you see a little bit about monochromatic color tones. So if you're not getting it with just material alone, people are creating these really monochromatic rooms because it lets one, it can, it can really exacerbate the vibe of your room. I mean, you're, you have a cool image of one that room that's pink and we have one that's black and just the feel to that room from a visual snapshot is, is really incredible. You're getting kind of this um, swath of color and then it actually like beams it back through the backlight from the windows helps make the whole room glow and we think of those things you know as just fun people in interior trends we like to track the colors and see what's going on and how are people trimming to our windows and making sense of it but at the same time getting those carefully selected items and knowing you know whether it be the the person that lives in the space or the architect who's helping understand how light is going to play there all of a sudden you can take a room from, yeah, I, this is my kitchen. I go here every day to my kitchen glows and I want to be there. And, and each one of those areas, um, the way that it gets reflected back in through, through the, our ability to, to do it with product is, is incredibly impactful. So we love pulling out the doors and windows to it, but people being able to truly set the, set the essence of their home is really how it kind of naturalizes. And, and we'll continue to see that beyond, well beyond just this one year of, of how that looks. Nicole, uh, this has been a great uh, interview. I really appreciate you coming on the show today and unpacking uh, not only the process of how, what it's like to work with you guys, 
but then also, you know, some trends that you're seeing uh, moving ahead in the future here. Uh, if people hear this and they want to get in touch with you guys, what is what do you recommend as the best way for them to get in touch with you guys and start getting engaged? You can reach out to us very easily at trends at Pella.com. Beautiful. Thanks so much for your time today, Nicole. We appreciate it. Thank you, Lance. Have an excellent day. Thank you.